Welcome to the Give to Profit podcast, the podcast that inspires business owners, entrepreneurs and leaders to turn their business into a profitable force for good. During our bi-weekly episodes, you'll hear business leaders and entrepreneurs share how they put charitable giving and social impact at the heart of their business and the many benefits that come from doing this. You can find full show notes for today's show and join our member community at givetoprofit.com where you can also sign up to receive regular business giving tips. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and it would be great if you could make it easier for people to find us by leaving us a rating and review there or on Facebook. For every review we receive, we give a child in Cambodia access to a day of education. So now here's your host, business mentor, speaker and best-selling author, Alison McKenzie. Welcome, welcome to the Give to Profit podcast show. This is your host, Alison McKenzie, and I'm delighted to be here again with you today. As always, thanks for tuning in. Now, I've been having lots of really interesting conversations with business leaders, both locally and around the world, about how the role of business is changing to become more impact focused in terms of consumer, employee and investor expectations of companies and businesses doing more than simply making money and the shift that's happening with from the perspective of enterprises and businesses in response to these different these these shifts in expectations so today's guest Thomas Gillen who is the chief officer um, for finance and strategy at Social Investment Scotland is one of the people I've had a couple of really good conversations with and today rather than keeping our conversation to ourselves I thought it'd be really good to let you in on it (laughs) and let, let you hear some of the kind of discussions that we have so welcome Thomas it's great to have you on the show. Thanks Alison good to speak to you. Brilliant. Now, I always like to start these conversations by inviting my guests to share their story. So how have you come to be doing what you're doing today? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's an interesting one. We'll keep it brief. um, (laughs) Effectively, I mean, I think, you know, going back to um, by trade, I was a chartered accountant, um, sort of career in finance, um, sort of going to university and then a professional qualification. And I was working in um, corporate finance, probably in the, the middle of the recession, um, doing relatively unpleasant jobs for financial service institutions, we won't name them, and others around how to turn around businesses. At which point, I think I was kind of like, how do I turn around my um, future career path? <laughs> it, was, it was a little bit, um, yeah, it was feeling a little bit uncomfortable in terms of actually using the skill set you'd learn to then actually benefit others. Um, my family have always had um, sort of businesses and entrepreneurship was something that always interested me. So I think I'd sort of landed in that career and then thought, right, okay, I need to do something different. Um, at which point, and I'm not going to pretend otherwise, um, it was a complete fluke that I actually ended up joining SIS. So. Investment Scotland was one of the clients of the firm I worked with and met Alistair. Um, it was a team of four people at that point and he was uh, kind of like, look, we need someone to come in and help on the capital side and the finance side. Talked about social enterprise. I had no idea what it was. Um, then joined SIS in 2011 and to be honest, the rest is a bit of a blur. But uh, yeah, always interesting to tell your, your families and friends that you work in a social enterprise at that stage. 
they couldn't work out if it was Facebook or um, you know, something <laughs> else that's kind of kind of interesting. But yeah, so kind of unnaturally found my way here. But as soon as I sort of seeing what the organization was doing, the, the, the communities and social entrepreneurs that was trying to help, it was um, a natural fit for me, to be honest. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's interesting listening to your story because it sounds very similar to mine where, yes, I spent a bit of time in corporate finance as well. And I remember feeling just a real clash of values. <laughs> was that what was going on for you when you decided to do that sort of turn around the career? Yeah, yeah, it, it was. Um, I think, you know, I did work with some really, really good people um, and some really, really qualified people. So, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say the culture clash was as evident for me um, with, the, with the people I worked with, but the corporate behaviour of the other side, so specifically the financial services sector, was something for me, um, you know, that you were going in, you were providing a view and the, you know, the, the, the financial services organization was penalizing the company that was already struggling by bumping up its rate. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it was totally counterintuitive in terms of, you know, doing business, creating enterprise um, and really seeing those social economic impacts. And yeah, so it was kind of, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. There was a clash and then just a kind of, I need to do something different. So why is social impact important to you personally then? Yeah, that's a good good point. I think um, I, I think I've always had, as I mentioned before, I've always had that family business roots um, and really seeing the benefits that business can have within local communities, um, all the way from apprenticeships to providing people opportunities, working with young people, working with um, actually any age of individual and actually giving them an opportunity. So I think I've always had that kind of... Um, that entrepreneurial spirit to support people and give people opportunities. Um, and then when you combine that with social enterprise and social impact, actually that bridge isn't that, that far um, in some of the ethos, the values, the culture of these organizations. Um, and then when starting to look and work with some entrepreneurs that are kind of saying, you know, why did you start your business? And like, well, actually, I've seen a problem. I've seen an issue in my local community or I've seen a worldwide problem and I thought I would use a business to solve it. It was kind of one of those moments, you know, that, that's a no-brainer. Why are we not doing more of this? So I think the area of social impact is very important, but I think it's actually how you can use an existing method of enterprise to really do, you know, have that symbiotic effect between doing good whilst doing well. Yeah, absolutely. And so do you want to just maybe just give a brief overview as to what Social Investment Scotland is all about? Yeah, sure. Um, Social Investment Scotland is just a little bit over 15, 16 years old. And we are a community development finance institution. So an intermediary that exists to provide finance to social enterprises and charities that can't access um, capital through a traditional source such as a financial um, institution. Um, our mission is to connect capital with communities to create a real lasting sustainable impact and we do that by um, really taking an old-fashioned approach to to banking effectively. I mean we don't position ourselves as a bank but we have a team of relationship managers who work with the organizations right from the very beginning of their journey right through to the end um, and we bring in capital from a variety of sources pull that together and provide a, a, a financial instrument effectively, a loan um, or something else more appropriate to the organization to help them either sustain or grow their social impact. 
And so can you give a, a couple of examples of the type of um, social enterprises that you've supported or um, helped get investment in? Yep, absolutely. Um, I think it's very it's very varied. So we've um, we've invested just over sixty million in over three hundred organisations across Scotland, but some that are actually UK wide as well. Um, an example, a recent example, would be an organisation called Brugeder, um, run by a chap called Alan Mahon, and Alan has created a drinks business effectively that's looking to use the surpluses created from that commercial product and use that to support um, clean water projects in developing countries. Um, not, not quite a buy one, give one model, but in terms of their ethos is very much that connection to the consumer that you're buying the product and you're creating the impact as part of that purchase. So um, they've got um, a, a, one line of, of beer at the moment um, that they contract brew uh, with Brewdog. So they've got a partnership there as well. Um, the interesting thing about Brugeder is the scale, the pot potential to scale and achieve impact at scale is significant. Um, and arguably they gain a competitive advantage in the market um, as opposed to traditional craft brewers. Um, they've got that USP about that sort of feel good factor, that ethical purchase, that do something good, um, which makes them stand out for the crowd. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that, sounds, that sounds an amazing um, business, yeah. Yeah, it's good and it's, it's really interesting in terms of the talent retention and attraction that they're bringing into their team. You know, it's really reaching out to people that, going back to that corporate career, it's kind of like that career with purpose. You know, it's, um, they're really starting to attract high quality individuals, which you can see that organization doing quite well in the future. Um, and I think, you know, building on from that, another, you know, another organization would be um, Social Bite. Um, Josh Littlejohn, who um, some people might be aware of, fantastic entrepreneur, um, I think very much has a, a significant social thread running right through everything that he does, um, supported by, by Alice. And those guys have built, a, a, you know, a, a, ideally a competitor to Pret-a-Manger and, and um, other, uh, other sort of sandwich chains with a view of actually using employability of getting people that are from homelessness backgrounds into work, coming through the stores, providing some support, and then with a positive outcome in the end. So Social Bike's also a very interesting model about how you can integrate that impact. So as the business scales, that they can actually also achieve their mission whilst that's you know, keeping that balance between um, growth and, and impact really, really quite neat, to be honest. Yeah, and actually, I interviewed Alice, so her interview will be going out just before your interview. So for anybody listening to this, if you haven't listened to the interview with, with Alice, one of the co-founders of um, Social Bite, that enterprise that Thomas has just been speaking about, go back to the previous, or go back a couple of podcasts and you'll find that interview as well. Because, yeah, I mean, I just love everything that they're doing. Yeah. I think it's just incredible. Yeah, it's great. And Alice will be more fun, so maybe listen to those first. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, a great a great a great team a really great team with loads of potential definitely definitely um and so where do you actually get your capital or funding from then what's your business model yeah so i mean i suppose we're a, 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 a an intermediary as i mentioned and it's up to us to basically understand what products and financing needs of potential um, customers really is 
So really taking a demand-led approach to finding out what the market needs. And then we work back from there and sort of say, right, okay, well, what capital do we need to get in? And what's the potential sources to make that work? Um, right now, our, we've got just over sort of 30 investors engaged with Social Investment Scotland, um, ranging from trusts and foundations like Esme Fairbairn, um, all the way through to big society capitals, a wholesale intermediary, Scottish banks, including RBS, LBG, Bank of Scotland and Clydesdale, ethical banks such as Trieros, which are really starting to get engaged in the market, which is fantastic. Um, 26 private investors who are keen to make a difference. Um, and a sort of, yeah, a bit of a blend, to be completely honest. It really is, um, again, it comes down to understanding the needs of the market and then working with the people that have either got a CSR perspective that they want to do something um, good in terms of a corporate strategy all the way through to people that have actually just got you know some form of philanthropic intention but they still want to classify it as an investment and really sort of start to engage um, with an organization like SIS and that's that's increasing um, that's increasing month by month to be honest the the demand is um, certainly there from the investor side and do you I mean do you work with any sort of small investors? So like, is there any scope for people who, who don't have, you know, the, the thousands or the millions to invest? Is there any scope for just small investors to invest in any way through, I don't know, a pool fund of any sort or any other way? It's, that's a really good point, Alison. I mean, I think in an ideal world, you would want people to be able to participate in social impact investment products. So products where they're generating a financial and social return. Um, the challenge is the regulator's approach it makes mm. that very difficult um, and rightly so you know in terms of protecting the interests of individuals from an investor's perspective that said um, there's an increasing amount of activity around community shares um, so that's more actually investing in direct products pro projects within local communities where the community can take an interest in a project um, a good example one recently would be port patrick um, who actually bought their harbour um, from the local authority and redeveloped it. And it's actually a, gr it's a great facility. It's got a great buzz about it. It really empowers the local community. So there's a participation point there from a community aspect through community shares. Um, and actually, where we're starting to see the market move is, I mentioned Triodos as an ethical um, bank. They, are, they have like a social ISA, a social impact ISA, which anyone can participate in. It's done, you know, it's operated appropriately. It's got the right banking licenses behind it. It's got the right amount of rigor and regulatory. Um, so there's kind of, there's things emerging that is increasing participation, but it's, 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 not, it's, it's not as easy as what, you know, as what we would like. And, and actually it's an interesting point because arguably, if people are looking at it from a philanthropic perspective, donating, £100 to a local charity is 100% risk capital. You're not going to get it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there is an argument for both sides. But again, social impact investment isn't really designed to displace any existing philanthropic giving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's about resourcing that from other mechanisms. You know, 1% um, of a high net worth portfolio, let's get hold of that. Let's put that to use. Um, and let's sort of build that into the... The mainstream effectively if we do that that's an absolute win 
Yeah, totally. And I guess in some, you know, one of the other things that people can do that's that, that's becoming more and more popular, of course, is even just the basic crowdfunding of yeah. whether or not it's a social enterprise or other business projects as well. So yeah, that's one of the other. So Absolutely. I mean, in terms of um, you know, we were having a little chat before we before I pressed record about you know the impact and what differences are any of this actually making? How do you measure the potential um, and, and the success of a social business? I don't mm. know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, I was going to say it's a bit of a dark art, but that doesn't sound appropriate. Um, <laughs> there is a bit of that to it, though, because I think it's, um, I mean, what I would say is social impact measurement has been on a continuum, you know, a, a continual journey for the last 15, 20 years. Um, countless number of reports from you know your big four accountancy firms and really not getting to the crux of a widespread usable tool we've seen an SROI trying to put a pound or dollar against a social impact which again doesn't necessarily feel the right thing to do when some of these outcomes are very soft mm. um, it's it is it's an emerging it's an emerging field that when someone nails it is going to be it, it's going to really help it's going to really help open up that flow of capital it's going to help everybody um the approach that we take is kind of working with each organization and enterprise individually and really starting with i mean you, you hear a lot of discussion around theory of change um you know effectively theory of changes you know what are you trying to do with your organization what's the what's the positive societal benefit um so we try and remove some of those um language it's of use of language to to make it quite accessible so we really start off you know the why why are you doing what you're doing and really getting to the crux of the impact and then around that start forming some kpis that can really be based on tangible outcomes so you've almost got that three-step approach what is it you're trying to achieve how will you know if you've achieved that what's the outcomes and then the kpis how will we measure that and then that sort of three-step approach can then be used not as a covenant or a, you know something to then say, well, you know, you've not hit your numbers, but just to guide the organization and to keep the mission focused. I think mm -hmm. that's a big, big opportunity because like any business, the temptation is to be quite opportunistic um, and less strategic in the face of some difficult times. Um, but actually the opportunity here is to have that mission embedded, that focus, and actually stay true to that and then be accountable for the impact that you're creating through your reporting. So we do, um, that's a very long answer, I'm, I'm aware of that, but I think that probably um, hopefully summarises some of the challenges that we have and the subjectivity in impact measurement. Yeah, no, absolutely. Believe you me, that isn't a long answer compared to some of the guests I've had on the show. <laughs> So you're doing okay there. Um, but, you know, I mean, that brought up a couple of things for me because as you were talking there, I mean, one of the things that, because um, I run social impact workshops, which I know you guys you guys do it for social enterprises. I'm more for yeah. on, with the SMEs. And, you know, one of the things that I've seen is there's definitely, I guess there's different perspectives, isn't there? Because, you know, from a social enterprise or a charity perspective, 
one of the agendas is that they're getting you know getting funding from somewhere a lot of the time so yeah. there's there's that perspective that has to be met as well as investors would have a different perspective you know philanthropists and if you're actually i mean a lot of my audience are just micro to small businesses who want to do good as well mm -hmm. but it's they're not having to be accountable to other people for it they obviously still want to be um, sure they're getting a good return on their investment and that the way they're, they're allocating the resources into it is effective and is having the impact that they want to have so that's still important but I guess it come it's kind of get it must at some stage um, get to a point where you're starting to look at well what's the benefit what's the cost base um, cost risk or even benefit analysis around this you know in terms of to what extent do I do impact reporting yeah Absolutely, completely agree with you. I mean, I, I think the opportunity that exists at the moment, though, would be actually looking at it from, so everybody prepares their sort of three-year financials or, you know, your, your, your sort of business plan. Um, very rarely do we actually have that discussion on, you know, what does success look like from an impact perspective? So take Brugger, for example. They want to um, basically get, provide access to a million people um, with clean drinking water um, in developing countries. Now, that's absolutely great to have that vision, but ask the question, how is that going to be achieved? And it's drilling down into, well, mm -hmm. actually, it's linked to our commercial business plan, and we need to sell X amount of units, we need to access X number of multiples, and we need to scale it pretty quickly. Um, and I think it's, it's understanding that symbiosis between the trading model and the impact, and I, and I do, I, I, I take your point because there's, there's very different, there's a spectrum of social enterprises, isn't mm -hmm. there? Mm -hmm. your, yeah. Your, your, your traditional sort of community enterprise, so to speak, that, or charity that may have a large degree on um, less trading income and more on um, philanthropic uh, donations, it's increasingly difficult. Um, compared to a 100% trading model, a real entrepreneurial type business. So I, I do, I think, I think what we need to do though as practitioners, professionals, investors, intermediaries, we need to be open-minded that whilst we're asking for this data for the right reasons, you can't tie entrepreneurs and business owners in knots um, because ultimately mm -hmm. there's enough worries, you know, in terms of mm -hmm. um, running the day-to-day -day side of things. It needs to be a partnership in terms of how do we work with the enterprise to form the impact plan and really help them achieve their mission. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to hear that you're doing that on the social enterprise side. And I mean, you know, conversations I'm having with SMEs is there's definitely a thirst for businesses to do this too, which is great. And I think it comes back to, you know, you mentioned earlier about, you know, really embedding the mission. And it's that connection. It's about embedding the social mission, the social impact across the whole business and looking at the strategies to support that and how that can be monitored rather than just having it as a bold, nice to have statement out there you know mm. and mission um so i mean what do you we've begun to sort of touch on the different types of social enterprise there what do you see as the role of um more traditional businesses i guess i'm going to say versus the social enterprises in solving social problems yeah i mean this is something that's really interesting to me personally and um i mean i think well in summary significant potential and a significant role um I think I come from the argument of 
the impact can be delivered on a, on a spectrum of business models. And what I mean by that is that's anything from a charity that trades all the way to um, a, a for-profit business that um, has a real social mission, values-based approach, and is, but from everyone else's perspective, is a commercial entity. And then everything in between, like your social bites and your brugeters. Um, someone challenged me recently on that and says, no, well, what you're talking about there at that last round of the scale is responsible business. And I think that kind of like in my head, I'm like, no, no, you know, all businesses should mm. be responsible yeah. and, and they opt out. If they act irresponsible, they opt out and they fall off the spectrum. Um, and I think that's quite an interesting approach to take. We are starting to see, well, I mean, we've seen the B Corp movement in, um, in the US and other, and other economies really do some pretty interesting stuff. So the B Corp is one model which is helping identify these mission-led businesses as part of this spectrum. Um, I think as we, as we evolve, and it's not all about growth, it's not all about scale, and that's one of the challenges with B Corp is sometimes it's associated with Ben and Jerry's and that's not accessible. Mm. To um, an interesting one with, with B Corp, just to quickly touch on, is that when Unilever bought Ben and Jerry's, um, Ben and Jerry's were already a B Corp and Unilever bought them both because of their commercial ability and performance, but also because of their brand and what it meant to have Ben and Jerry's in your corporate structure. And they paid a premium for that. So Ben and Jerry's then look at their supply chain and say, well, actually we want our suppliers to be B Corps or we want them to be mission led businesses, if not social enterprises. And this is the real opportunity on a commercial sense. And there's a family owned business in Aberdeen um, that, that, that supplies or was pitching to supply Ben and Jerry's with some ingredients. And they weren't a B Corp, but they were very much values based. And Ben and Jerry's were like, you know what guys, if you're a B Corp, we take you tomorrow and we'll, we, 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 you'll be our suppliers. And they did that. And you know, when you talk about supply chain development, mm. how that, you know, reverse motivation can actually help I'd, so that's a family business in many respects. You're probably operating as a mission-led business. I don't know for sure, but you know, if you take the thesis, and then you're sort of saying, how many others out there that just need to identify themselves as a mission-led business or a social enterprise? And I think that's where the market potential is. There's an awareness piece. There's an education piece um, that needs to be done there. But, but absolutely, I think the the potential. In, in business in its general terms to be a force for good is significant um, I think there's a it's how we do that and how we do that in a measured way and an appropriate way where entrepreneurs are accountable for that impact that's that's the key for me yeah definitely and you know it's really interesting that you've brought up that that supply chain piece I, I um, interviewed Colin Downey from Wild Hearts yeah which of course is you know massive in terms of supply chain side and what they've been able to do in the certainly in the UK and mm -hmm. um, and even actually Alice and I had conversations around that with Social Bite as well because that to me is just one of the easiest ways that any business can become you know have more positive social impact is to actually just source so yeah. you know source what they need from social suppliers whether that's social enterprises or other um con other businesses that have some kind of social policy or practices in place so yeah and so i mean have you seen any shifts in um 
investor attitudes or trends in terms of what's happening around this? Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's definitely, I, I wouldn't go as far to say as the stars are aligning because that sounds quite a, <laughs> a grandiose statement, but there is, um, we've talked about this movement in the led by entrepreneurs um, and the profit with purpose business model and social enterprise in its general sense. Um, at the same time, there's certainly been an interest, a growing interest from investors to either support directly through investment or um, enter into funds where they feel they can have a portfolio of impactful enterprises. Um, that's certainly emerged um, mm. four months specifically. Um, and I, I think that's just... A, it, it could be an evolution of sort of ethical investment. We don't tend to use that, those, that, that, that terminology, but it could be that kind of, you know, people went through the phase of, you know, I'm not going to invest in arms and tobacco, et cetera, um, a few years ago. And now are they actually starting to say, I actually want to positively identify organizations that are making the world a better place. Um, that could be one motivation. Um, but we are starting to see others. The, I mean, the big fund managers like BlackRock, um, Aberdeen Standard Investments, these guys are now running impact funds. Um, mm -hmm. That helps move the needle. But for us, it's that early stage investment piece. So we want to get angel investors on board. We want to get early stage private investors that are looking to invest in funds. And we really want to engage them and get them focused on basically investing for impact. Um, whether you call it, this is off to a tangent, sorry, but. That's okay. Conscious capitalism, or um, mm -hmm. call it. I mean, I, I, I am. I completely support a capitalist model, but it needs to be done responsibly, and it needs to take account of all the stakeholders and not the shareholders. Mm -hmm. And that's where we've got a bit lost um, over the years. I remember watching something um, from Michael Porter um, from Harvard, and he was kind of saying, "It's about you know, from a business model, it's not about making your millions." Uh, or billions in some cases, and then doing something good afterwards and giving off, you know, signing up to a philanthropic pledge that you're going to give away half your wealth because you've literally got hundreds of millions. It's about doing it whilst you're doing good. Mm -hmm. uh, and if that exit still results in uh, a significant um, liquidity event, then do something good with that as well. We're starting to see things like founders pledge where people's, people, people were pledging 1%, 5% of their business to, to a social cause right at the beginning of their journey. Um, if you speak to any entrepreneur before they get funding and they've got a vision and you ask them about a fund, funder's pledge, um, a founder's pledge, I, I bet you they would be up for it, um, providing they were values-based and it's a good test of their ethos. You know, I absolutely love that idea of a founder's pledge. I was just saying to somebody earlier on um, how um, I'd seen a video on LinkedIn yesterday. About, I can't remember the name of the business, but it's some business, it's an organic farm down south where instead of selling it on, he's just, the, the founder has decided to actually give the shares to the people that are employed. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 it was doing really well on LinkedIn yesterday. And I was having this conversation, actually it was with my accountant this morning, and I was saying, you know, it got me thinking, you know, I've always thought the business would be something that I'd sell on at the end, but I love the idea of giving on or certainly some aspect of it. So hearing what you've just said, I'm thinking, 
why don't I just put that into my constitution right now? And these, yeah. these are the things that we can all do as businesses. And I think one of the reasons that I like working with, the, with, with I suppose, the commercial businesses, albeit very small ones, the micro and SME businesses, is that we have the agility to make these small decisions and tweaks, mm-hmm. you know, to reflect our values and what we're doing. So, um, yeah, and no, I'm very excited by that idea of a founder's pledge. That's, that's, that's my takeaway already, I can tell you from this interview. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Love it, love it. And have you had have you had any experience of resistance to businesses being a force for good? You know, because some people I've spoken to are still very much of the opinion, no, no, that needs to be a social enterprise or a charity. Um, Whereas that just doesn't fit with me at all. You know, for me, for me, one of the roles of business is actually to do good. Yeah, yeah, it's a very um, it's a very live debate and uh, question. So I think, I mean, I, I take quite a pragmatic view on it. And, you know, I think we should start with, again, going back to the, what is it you're trying to do? What's the impact that you're going to achieve and your, your business model was setting out to achieve? And then landing at a suitable business structure, whether that being a for-profit business or a more traditional social enterprise model. Um, a, a good example would be, you know, think about a, a tech business um, that the entrepreneur is very much values focused and in a perfect world, he wants to run what we would define as a social enterprise at present. But he needs or she needs three million pound of capital to get it to market and um, really get it to a sustainable level. And ultimately, success looks like both from an impact and a financial perspective, looks like a, an exit to, to Facebook. Now, mm. taking into account what I just said, Facebook, whether you agree that's, a, you know, that's obviously not what we've classed as a mission-led business. But I think there's a thing there that a traditional social enterprise model is not the appropriate way for that tech business to achieve its mission because it wouldn't be able to attract the capital and the structure required, i.e. equity and growth capital, to get it to market. And that's very, very different to a community organization that's operating a hydro scheme that's going to use its profits to reinvest in the local community to build a new hall, et cetera. And I'm not, I'm not making any sort of disparaging comments between the two models. Um, it's just very, very different. And I think we should all take a minute to actually reflect and say, what are we trying to achieve from an impact perspective? and then work backwards. So don't let the tail wag the dog effectively. Yeah, and I suppose the central theme I'm hearing is, which you and I talk about, is focusing on impact. It's about yeah. focusing on impact to drive profits, no matter what type of business we're operating or enterprise we're operating, but we're focusing on the impact first and how that can, how we can scale that or, or do it in a small way, but it's about focusing on impact. Absolutely. Yeah. So is there one final thing you'd like to share with our audience? I, yeah, I mean, I think there's a, it's a really interesting time just now for, for social entrepreneurs, businesses that are seeking impact. And I think it's really, the market's getting to the place where, where we are a bit more accepting of that language. People understand it. You can say you work with the social enterprise and, you know, people aren't hitting you with Facebook and social media. So I think there's a real opportunity and we need to deliver it. The challenge is now, it's, um, it is, the time is now. Um, we need to get out there, we need to do it, we need to get the full um, support of the investor community behind us 
and we need to yeah we need to get out and get delivering it no thank you so much and thank you for your time there's just there's you know i've just thoroughly enjoyed the conversation there's lots of little notes i've taken away including little things which you won't be at all aware of that i've written down things like you know uh, cheered us to go and just actually switch my banking to them because i've been meaning to do that for a long time <laughs> to, um, to just loving that founders pledge but honestly so many nuggets there that i'm sure the listeners will find helpful so thank you so much if people want to contact you or check out sis how what's the best way to do that and i will include the details in the show notes but just in case there's anybody listening who doesn't go to the show notes yeah Absolutely. Just pop onto our website, socialinvestmentscotland.com, and our contact details are all there and would be more than happy to have a, uh, a chat with anyone that's sort of interested in the subject. So, yeah, I think that goes right through the team. It's, um, yeah, it's what gets us out of bed in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. I get you. Well, thank you so much, Thomas. Um, I know that our listeners will have taken a lot away from this as well. And thanks to you for actually tuning in. Remember to check out givetoprofit.com or alison.com for the full show notes plus details of how to contact both Thomas and myself. Until next time, remember, business is a great opportunity to be kind. Thanks for listening to the Give to Profit podcast. You'll find full show notes for today's show at givetoprofit.com where you can also check out how to join the Give to Profit member community, a special place that you can connect with Alison and other like-minded business owners and entrepreneurs running businesses that are both profitable and doing good in the world. Or you can join the Gift to Profit fundraising challenge to learn how to incorporate fundraising into your business and marketing in ways that are effective, legal and grow your business. To find out more, go to gifttoprofit.com. And if you don't already have a copy of Alison's book, Gift to Profit, How to Grow Your Business by Supporting Charities and Social Causes, remember you can get a copy on Amazon and the book depository around the world.